Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring two guys high-fiving with words, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. Mikey over here. And today we are continuing our series called Head of the Helm. By fan request, we are building a space crew? Yeah. Spaceship crew. Sci-fi team. Sci-fi team, but specifically on the spaceship. Yes. So last week, we picked our ships. That's what we needed first. Had to have a ship and put a crew on it. So I picked the uh, Normandy SR-1 from Mass Effect. And Mikey picked the Voyager from Star Trek Voyager. Yes, I did. So Mikey has his ship. I have my ship. Now we need to crew it. And if you remember last week, we told you we were going to pick pilots. It was a spoiler, yes. This week is pilots, space aviators, people that fly stuff. So we have our top three. Our number one will be the one that we're picking. And again, like we said, our rules are if we... Yeah, we do have some rules. Yeah, we uh, we can pick one character... And we're considering the ship a character, too. One character from a series in <laughs> yep. a franchise. Not the entire franchise, but the series in a franchise. So we can, we could, he, Mikey could pick from other Star Treks. Yeah, still some he, wiggle room. But he can't pick from Voyager. I can't pick anything from Mass Effect 1 or 2, really, because that's in there. So if we put someone at number one and our number two or three are like, why didn't you pick them at number one? It might be because in the future, yep. some foreshadowing, we might want to pick someone else from that series we have a plan even if that plan seems like we have no plan yeah all right so mikey who is your number three pilot let's get flying jump into the cockpit first with my very first pick for pilot because sci-fi pilots again i mean sci-fi goes back a long way so you got the classic pilots like buck rogers and buck yep. bonsai and yep. all the flash gordons but i went for my third pick I went modern. This is a show that came out last year. It's from a cartoon. Surprise. Oh. Another cartoon from Mikey. <laughs> but this is a great cartoon. And I, I my assumption is that it's under the radar. So I'm telling you about this so everybody can go check it out. But the cartoon is called Final Space. What? Final Space. I've never heard of it. Oh, it's wonderful. It is an animated show that was on TBS and Adult Swim. A little bit of a cross-platform thing. Oh. Um, but it is an animated sci-fi space opera adventure that centers on the main character of Gary Goodspeed. <laughs> and Gary Goodspeed, if you couldn't tell from his name already, is a space pilot that's trying to right the wrongs that have been thrust into his lap as all good sort of sitcom animated shows do. The reason I love Final Space and the reason I think Final Space works really well is it's a little bit Star Trek, but a lot diehard and a lot like MacGruber, like super cheesy, over-the-top action <laughs> hero. Gary Goodspeed doesn't know the word no, doesn't know the word can't. If somebody gives him a mission, he's like, oh, yes, I will do this. On, <laughs> on my deathbed, I will accomplish this. I will get my guns and I will go kick butt and you're going to help me. And it's just that MacGruber, Will Forte, like, positive attitude. So that's the main reason for me picking Gary Goodspeed. He's just super gung-ho. He's the epitome of the space hero that is in his own head, knows he's the coolest space captain around and nobody can tell him otherwise and will set out to accomplish whatever is put in front of him, even though it usually leads to 
failure and hijinks because that's the the, the crux of the show. Mm-hmm. What's neat about Final Space is, aside from its cast, we'll get to in a minute, but the main premise is there's a secret weapon, like the ultimate weapon in the universe that can destroy planets. Like a Death Star? Yes, but this is a creature. And the <laughs> creature is teeny tiny, and you think it's evil until Gary comes across it. And names it Mooncake and decides to take it as a pet on his ship, not realizing that it's like the <laughs> ultimate <laughs> weapon to end the universe. He's like, oh, you're my buddy Mooncake. All right, Mooncake, you and I, we're going on an adventure. Let's go. And Mooncake doesn't talk. He just talks in like animal gibberish. He's like, and so they go on adventures. <laughs> and then while Gary's here. I think you just spoke Pikachu. Well, no, I spoke Mooncake, but oh, it's very okay. similar. <laughs> But they go on adventures and things go crazy. But uh, the show is created by Olin Rogers. This is a new face on the scene. Like I said, the show came out last year. But <coughs> Olin Rogers is the voice of the main character as well as the creator and director. So oh, interesting. He is Gary Goodspeed. If you do watch the show, they do sort of wrap-ups after each episode where you see him and he explains the process of the show. So that's cool. Oh. You get to realize that this is a nerd's nerd making a nerdy sci-fi cartoon for people. But also on the show, you've got Fred Armisen. Oh, yeah. Tom Kenny from SpongeBob. David Tennant, Mr. Purple and Doctor Who. Yeah. Yep. Steven Yoon from Walking Dead. Oh. Ron Perlman, John DiMaggio, Andy Richter, and Conan O'Brien, who is one of the executive producers as well. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. So now you're like... It's a Team Coco? Yes. Well, I don't know if it's specifically Coco, but Conan O'Brien is involved. Like, he is one of the producers. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of people from Team Coco on there, though. I think it might actually be, like, the, the more umbrella one, the Conoco Productions. The Conoco, yeah. I think it might be under that umbrella. Okay. But that sort of gives you, that sort of sets you up for what you're prepared for. If you like, if you can think of sci-fi comedy that Conan O'Brien would like, you yeah. can pretty much picture Final Space. Oh, wow. But he's one of my favorites. Yeah. So I didn't even know this existed. It's well, on TBS? TBS. And that's yeah. what he's on. Yes. Conan's show's on. Okay. Yeah. So that's probably why there's some crossover there. Yeah. I think it just, it started last year. I think maybe they did two seasons already, but uh, every episode is awesome. There's uh, alien cat warriors named Avocado, and he has a young son named Young Kado. Yes, avocado with it with a T like a cat. Hilarious, but <laughs> Gary Goodspeed. He's a he's a great sci-fi pilot, gung ho. Like like I said, a MacGruber or a Bruce Willis in space, and it's just never stop, nonstop fun. It's awesome. That sounds fun. I haven't even heard of that. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, I gotta check it out. That's for everybody. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's definitely worth your time. I promise. All right, pilots for me, man. I had a hard time. There's so many good pilots. I had a hard time not picking three Star Wars pilots. So. <laughs> Hence that rule, but so I like it. I only picked two Star Wars Wilds. So, <laughs> spoiler, no way. But my first, uh, my number three would flip with my number two back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But he could easily be number two. He could easily be number one. I, <laughs> this is just, uh, this was hard for me. But I, I just picked the three pilots I are top for me and then just kind of reasons. Yeah, so like even though these are like the three themselves could flip-flop, the set of three sits over everybody right. else. I guess. So the first one I will talk about is a fella named Hoban Washburn. That sounds kind of familiar. Known as Wash, ah, the yes. pilot of the Serenity from the show Firefly and the movie Serenity, played wonderfully by Alan Tudyk, who is a for us since yeah. we're in the Dallas, Texas area. He's a local boy. He's a local hero. Local boy done good. He is. Where did we go see him speak? Was that at that was at Fan um, Expo? Fan Expo, yeah, yeah. We saw him speak there, and uh, you could tell he felt like he was home. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, he's, very, a, he's a funny guy anyway. 
but he when he felt at home, you could tell. Oh, for sure. And he had great stories and great anecdotes and was really personable. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. So Hobe and Washburn, uh, Firefly, again, the Joss Whedon's should have lasted longer show. <laughs> Fox pulled the plug on it to everyone's dismay, but just to show how good it is, I mean, it's still... Is something that's in fandom. Yep. It's a definitely a cult hit. Oh, for uh, sure. People love it um, because of uh, Firefly and Serenity. The everyone who was in it, it seems very well supported by fandom. Okay. Anything else that they do, people follow it. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I know that you know. I I went and watched like Castle just <laughs> just because, because it was Mal. Yeah, yeah and, and it was a show more for my mom, but I watched it because he was there and he's awesome. Yeah. And so, man, what what can we say about this? Uh, one thing I want to say about Wash is if you're familiar with Buffy, which I know Mikey is, and Buffy was around longer. He yep. he said that <laughs> that Wash was Space Xander. Oh, that makes it's clicking now. I didn't even make that connection, but when, now that you're saying that is that is a hundred percent true. Yeah, apparent Al, same time. <laughs> Alan Tudor kind of went through once and uh, said, "Like, well, this is just a Joss Whedon show, like Buffy," and he started like saying who all the characters <laughs> were, basically like that, space Buffy, that, space Xander, space. So, but he's space Xander. That's a hundred percent. I support that. Yes. So he's the pilot of Serenity. He's the comic relief on the show. They use Alan Tudyk's just sense of humor and timing, and but he, it's one of those things when you see Alan when we saw Alan Tudyk speak, yes, and you look at Wash, Joss Whedon's really good about casting the personality of that. that he's so good at casting, yeah. As, as long and the short of it is that you know I'm looking for someone like this. This mm-hmm. is what the character's like. I'm going to find an actor who's like my character. Yes. So. And then kind of adjust it to fit him even better. Yeah, it, he doesn't seem to just he doesn't seem to want to force actors to be uncomfortable. I guess he understands a comfortable actor is a better actor. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like instead of just cramming Alan into that part, they cast him in that part and then tailored the dialogue and character to match him even more. So mm-hmm. yeah. So he's up there in the cockpit with his Hawaiian shirt on, <laughs> and he's got little he's got plastic dinosaurs that he plays with. <laughs> so it's it's. It, it it's so fun, such an impact. All these characters, this show had such an impact with such a small sample size. It's just a wonderful thing. So I did find there's there's some backstory of him out there, even though Joss Whedon doesn't do a lot of backstory. And what's interesting is a okay. lot of this backstory comes from Alan Tudyk himself. Oh, that's because that, that's yeah. how Joss is. Is he like the, his actor will come to him saying like, "So I was thinking that this and this," and he's like, "That's good. You know, <laughs> I like it." So he came from a, a planet that was so polluted you couldn't see the stars, which motivated him to become a pilot. Oh, I love it. So he went to flight school, and I don't know if you remember in the movie, but there's a guy called Mr. Universe in the movie. He couldn't stop oh, his signal. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't think of the um, actor's name, the black guy. Right. Yeah, okay. No, 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 the, the, that was the evil guy. Oh, I'm getting it mixed up. Mr. Universe is, I wish I could remember the actor's <laughs> name too, um, but he was the guy who had... Uh, the pleasure bot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had, had the, the hideout at the end. Right, right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. So that guy, Mr. Universe, uh, he actually knew Wash. They're from the same planet. Oh, nice. And they went to flight school together. And Wash should have graduated first in flight school, but Mr. Universe hacked the record, so he graduated first. Oh. And Wash was basically going to beat him up for doing that. As he should. So uh, and 
in trade, he was like, I'll whatever any favors you need in the future, just keep this quiet. There you go. So that's how Wash knows him in the movie and knows to contact him. Oh, and I know a guy that makes sense. Real interesting. And that comes from Alan Tudyk. That's so some of it does. That's I great. think it's a, a little back and forth stuff going on. So basically, he's a famous pilot in the universe because Mal said he came with a list of recommendations as long as my leg. So he's known, he's sought after, uh, people want him. And hey, he has the toughest, meanest wife in the world <laughs> who could, what do you say? She could kill me with her pinky. And I believe it. <laughs> and that, that comes across because there's an episode where um, there's this character, Saffron, who's trying to like yep. like take over mm-hmm. the ship and she's trying to seduce Wash. <laughs> and I mean, first of all, he just he's madly in love with his wife Zoe, but it, his basically he's like, uh, yeah, my wife could kill me with her pinky, so you can just <laughs> shuttle off there. You know? <laughs> he's a man that knows his world well, yes. So and the fun thing about Wash is I don't know if you noticed that he is more anxious the calmer it is and the more higher the stakes the more calm he gets yes because he's a leaf on the wind he is a watch leaf on how the he wind. soars oh watch how he soars you're gonna make me cry yeah i know because is spoiler alert if you haven't seen serenity just skip ahead like a minute <laughs> um but poor wash gets a reaver spike through his back oh. and he actually joss whedon actually said they were at a panel somewhere joss whedon said that if the show had kept going, he he didn't have plans to kill Wash. Oh, okay. That so. was kind of a, a, that was just for the movie and kind of a thing to just I add, don't know add finality to it. Yeah, I got you. So, but it's it's a testament to how awesome Wash is as a character because everybody was mad about that. Yeah, like, what you did that to my boy Wash? I can't believe you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you know, but that's what Joss Whedon likes to to do. He likes to kind of Game of Thrones characters on us. He does. He likes to go to the extremes every once in a while, especially if there's an end date or time limit. So R.I.P. Hoban Washburn Wash. We, we miss you. We'll, we'll use some sci-fi te- technology to resurrect you from the dead <laughs> and make you a backup on Kevin's, uh, Kevin's crew. That's awesome. That's a great third pick. So I guess that means we're moving on to second picks. Okay, so... We, I, I sort of already set up a theme with, with Gary Goodspeed. I, I referenced that he's sort of Bruce Willis in space. Uh-huh. If you hear that phrase, you probably go, I already know a Bruce Willis in space. And you're yeah. right. And so my second pick is actually Bruce Willis in space. But it's when, <laughs> when he plays the character of Corbin Dallas in the movie The Fifth Element from 1997. Okay. I thought you were going to... Wait, was he in the, the Blow of the Rock movie too? Oh, you, uh, not the chord... Deep Impact, Armageddon. Was he in that one too? He was in Armageddon. But he wasn't flying the ship though. No, he was one of the drillers. He was just oh, an yeah, oil man. Drill. Okay. Yep. And then Ben Affleck was the pilot and he was in love with his daughter. I totally forgot that. Bruce Willis <laughs> already went to space. <laughs> but he wasn't a pilot. So he you wasn't. Can't, you can't pick that Bruce True. Willis. True. Uh, I am picking Fifth Element Bruce Willis from 1997, movie directed by Luke Besson. Uh, a classic for me. This is one of not even sci-fi, if we're just talking top five movies, The Fifth Element is in there. I've seen it way more times than I can count. I love the effects. I love the world. I love the action. But the coolest, one of the coolest parts about it is Bruce Willis's character. And you may be saying, well, you just said he wasn't a pilot in Armageddon. How is he a pilot in Fifth Element? Because really, the one job you see Corbin Dallas do in Fifth Element before he goes on the Fifth Element mission and mm-hmm. things all go haywire is that he's driving a taxi. Yeah. So he's a taxi driver. But here's the catch. 
That taxi has six degrees of freedom. It can go up, down, sideways. It's a flying taxi. It's a flying taxi. Or as I like to brand it for this episode, um, a passenger transport ship. <laughs> I'm not going to call it a taxi. It's a, it's, a, it's a passenger transport ship. But what they also don't tell you is that Bruce Willis, the history of the character that they sort of hint at every once in a while, but they never give the story on, is that he's ex-Special Forces for the Federated Army, which is the military in the future of Fifth Element. So that sort of explains how he gets through all the craziness of finding Mila Jovovich and Lilu Dallas Multipass and getting her to, you know, Paradise Planet and getting all, saving the universe, Mm -hmm. obviously, bringing the light back. But he is Special Forces, so I would have to imagine that in Army Special Forces training, there's got to be some aviator training in there. So that's my justification on why I think Bruce Willis is a pilot. Because if you go watch the taxi scene, he gets away from the police like Anakin style. He's flying through space traffic, which is not just two lanes. It's levels of traffic. And he's weaving and bobbing and zigging and zagging all the way through it and gets away from the police because he is that cool of a pilot. So even though it's not explicitly said, he is my number two pick. There you go. Yeah, but number two because it, it, I guess if a technicality, a technicality, you could argue it out. But sorry, Bruce Willis is too cool. <laughs> he's a man of few words. Even when he wins a contest, he just he, he's another one of those guys that keeps going. One of my favorite scenes in Fifth Element is he gets mail and he's eating lunch with the Chinese food guy that's floating outside of his door. He's like, "Oh, you got mail? It could be something good." He's like, "No, you can read it." And the Chinese guy goes, "You are fired." <laughs> <laughs> it's presented with all these bad circumstances, and Bruce Willis still comes out on top. So, number two pick, Corbin Dallas, Fifth Element. You and me, Bruce Willis, we're going to go flying through space. <laughs> and find some redheads and some giant robots and some element elemental powers. It's going to be great. That That's is that's a fun movie, for sure. <laughs> still holds up, even, oh, it's 20 years old now, 22 years yeah. old. I think it's because it's kind of space fantasy in a way. Yes. Those always hold up a little better. Yeah, and yeah, there's no, there's weird graphics and aliens, but it's not really dependent yeah. on what's topical at the time. Mm-hmm. So I dig it. All right. But that's my number two. That means we're up to your number two. My number two is, could have easily been my number one. <laughs> one of my favorite pilots ever, the ultimate survivor, Wedge Antilles <gasps> from Star Wars. Wedge. Yeah. I, I, I give a high five to that one. Team Wedge all the way. Ever since I was a. Uh, a kid I've been enamored by this guy who makes it through, who isn't a main character who makes it through all the movies. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's the best rebel pilot who doesn't have the force and who isn't a main character. That is true. He's just a human, like he's just a human. Up. And so is Han Solo, but he's one of the main characters. And so is Lando Calrissian, but he's basically one of the main characters too. And you know, those are also great pilots and Chewbacca is a great pilot. Yeah. But again, it's the main character. Yeah. They're, I, they're set up to be special. But. Yeah. I need to call out Wedge. And he's he's so important sitting there. <laughs> he's the one who's standing next to Luke. Or this, he's standing next to this farm boy right? yep. <laughs> who's like, and he's like, he's like, you know, we're never going to be able to blow up the, hit that exhaust port on the Death Star. <laughs> and Luke's is like, as big as the Womp Rats back home. And he like <laughs> looks over at him. And did you know in the novelization, Wedge actually says, Womp Rats don't shoot back? Oh, wow. <laughs> I wish that's, that was in the movie. That's a great line. It should have been in the movie. <laughs> that's headcanon for me now. Well, yeah. Well, it's, uh, well, the, Is I think it, the official novelizations are considered canon. Still. I, even yeah. after the band wave. Okay, cool. I think so. I think that, I think that they are. So it's Somebody not needs even to make that t shirt then. Womp rats don't shoot back. Womp rats. Oh, you're See? right. And then nerds would be like, I get it. Maybe that needs to be an assuming positions t shirt. We'll, we'll brainstorm. 
<laughs> we will brainstorm. So also what's neat about Wedge is his backstory was fleshed out in the Star Wars Rebels series. I don't know if you saw that, but it had um, Wedge and Hobby were in Imperial training. Okay. They were, uh, they were Imperial cadets uh, in training to be starfighter pilots. And uh, Wedge became disenchanted. They actually show it in the series. It's really good. Some of the tactics and some of the things are ordered to do. Okay. That you would think the Empire would do, like, you know, fire upon a ship, whether you know if it's civilians or not, or, yeah. or leave a comrade behind. Just that bad stuff that yeah. the Empire's about. It Wedge was like, this isn't right. He has a high moral code. Because he's Wedge. Yeah. And so he contacted the rebels to see if he could get out of there. And they uh-huh. sent Sabine in there. And it's a, it's a whole big adventure. That's awesome. And he steals a TIE bomber and goes off to fight for the rebels. It's interesting that he started off under sort of evil pretenses and then was like, nope, can't do this, can't hang. Well, you know, well, that's how it was. That was the government at the time. Yeah. And if you didn't come from a planet that was being oppressed actively, because right. he's from Corellia, he's oh, Corellian. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And well, they were kind of being oppressed if you watch Solo, but... But he was a he was a transport pilot and he got recruited. But think about it: the whole point of Solo was they were trying to get off that 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 planet. Yes. So he was a transport pilot. He got recruited. So it's like I can get off this. This is my ticket out of here. Ticket out of here. Yeah. So it makes sense. So he he was he was at Sky Strike Academy uh, as a cadet. He left, joined the rebellion, and then we get Red Two standing by. Red Two standing by. Man. That it's such that trench run is classic cinema. Yes, they're going there. Luke in there. Big Bigs is red too, so that means he's the wingman in red one. He's the leader's wingman. There you go. So that shows you his level of importance. Mm-hmm. And you know they're going. To, we all know they're going down the trench, and people are getting blown up. They're trying to cover for Luke, and Wedge gets hit, and he lo- starts losing power, so he starts falling back behind. Yes, and instead of just sacrificing himself. Luke is like, get out of here, man. So he's one of the only, he's one of the only rebel pilots that survives survives because everyone else, Biggs gets blown up. Parkins gets all, all these other guys are getting blown up, Yep, but he survives. So, cause he's wedging Tilly's. Of course he survives. Well, it's interesting because I I read a whole article on this and it's, they're, they're talking about how wedge, that is when wedge really became a hero because he kind of had survivor's guilt. Oh, okay. Because everyone else had died and stuff. That's, that's and true. then that's why in Empire, why he's such a awesome hero in Empire. Because if you remember in Empire, he's the he's in the Rogue Squadron now, I believe. is that I think that's mm-hmm. what they're called when they're in the uh, Snowspeeders. And he's the one who takes down the first AT-AT with the harpoon. You know, oh, nice shot, Jensen. That's and right. He flies around it. And if you've ever played any video games where you have to fly around the AT-AT, that is so stupid hard. It's it took impossible. forever. So hard. But he just did it. <laughs> Wedge just does it. Because he's a video game boss. He takes down that AT-AT. So that's great. This, that is great. This, and then the ultimate hero moment is there's only two ships made it to the center of the second Death Star. Oh, that's true. The Millennium Falcon, Millennium Falcon. and Wedge in his X-Wing. And Wedge shoots that first proton torpedo that takes down the shield covering the core. So they can get so in. So that Lando can blow up the core. There you go. And then out of there in flames. And so, I mean, come on. That, that makes Wedge key to the taking down of the Death Star, Exactly. Too. And even though they're not canon, I'll tell you, the, the EU books, the X-Wing squadron books and uh-huh. stuff, he's the center of most of those. And oh, cool. they're really good, even though they're not canon anymore. But hey. They're, do they, they're do a they, good read. Do they take place after the second Death Star? Like after? Yeah. Okay. It's stuff that goes on after. Very cool. So that's Wedge, Ultimate Survivor. 
Uh, Dennis Lawson played him. I believe he's actually the uncle of Ewan McGregor. Like in real life? In real life. Oh, wow. Which is... Yeah, That's so, neat. That's a nice connection. So, weird connection. So, Love Wedge, great character, ultimate survivor, hero of the rebellion. And a name appropriate for it. Wedge Antilles. That sounds like a hero name. Yeah, that's it's great. Like, Who's that pilot? That's Wedge Antilles. <laughs> you mean Buck Rogers? No, Wedge Antilles. That's awesome. That is a great second pick. But if our second picks are done, then logic dictates that our first picks are left. And that is what we come to. So these are our pilots that are officially making the casting call for our crew. Uh, I guess I'm kind of sticking on theme. Gary Goodspeed was good. He's MacGruber in space. Then there's Corbin Dallas, who's Bruce Willis in space. And now we're going to combine those a little bit, but add a little bit of fur, and we're going to go with Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Yes, he is a pilot. He is a pilot. He's Uh, very much a pilot. He is very much a pilot. He was genetically engineered to be a pilot, according to the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Because there's a there's a funny scene. This was I was watching it. It was on TV, and I was watching it. And this is what I was like: Oh, Rocket, pilot! Because the Peter Quill and Rocket are both in the pilot's chair when they're escaping from the pre the high priestess, the golden lady that's shooting them down after. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're going through this asteroid minefield, and they're like, "Oh, you'd have to be the best pilot to get through this." And both of them answer at the same time, "I am." And then they look at each other like, "No, wait, I am." He's like, "No, I am." He's like. If you disagree with me, I'm going to put a piece of poop on your pillow. And it's not going to be mine. It's going to be Drax's. So not only is Rocket Raccoon the best pilot in the universe, he will defend that title in very creative and unfortunate ways. (laughs) So because I don't want nastiness on my pillow, I am picking Rocket Raccoon for first place. Rocket Raccoon at the helm of the Voyager. So my at the helm of the Voyager, it's going to be great. He has weapons, he has shields, he has holodecks to go play and do weird raccoon <laughs> things in. Um, but yes, he uh, 89P13 is his genetic animal code name, but he went he chose to call himself Rocket. He was genetically engineered with genius level intellect. He's a skilled marksman. He's good at hand-to-hand combat. He's a master tactician and a field commander and he's an accomplished starship aviator. Uh, in the movie, he's voiced by Bradley Cooper, mm-hmm. and then he was actually originally created. I didn't know this. Do you know these names? Uh, he was created by writer Bill Mantlo and artist Keith Giffen. Hmm. Those were, I guess, the two guys responsible for like the original Guardians of the Galaxy run. Oh, so okay. They were actually responsible for the creation of him, but for my for the sake of this, I am going with the movie Guardians of the Galaxy version done by James Gunn. And uh, did you know that, do you know who did the motion capture for Rocket Raccoon in the movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his brother. It is. It's James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn. Who, uh, I think he was in Gilmore Girls. Well, he's also in uh, Guardians as a character, too. Oh, yes. Yondu is one of his Mm -hmm. soldiers, one of of the red-coated armies that I can't think of the name of right now. But yeah, that's him. He's also the one that does motion capture for Rocket. Yeah, because he can, because he can um, walk like what, crouch walk. Yeah, and so he gets low enough. And I, I know they have there's some funny stills where you see like they actually do a build a bear Rocket Raccoon that's to size for some of it when Jane, like when Sean Gunn isn't there, I guess, and they just use a large doll. But then you see Sean Gunn in the behind the scenes, and he's all hunched over. He's mm-hmm. got the weird green pants on, but it's great because. He did a great job. It never seems like it's an out of place thing that you interact really well with the rest of the crew. So, except in that that one, there's Uh-oh. that. Well, no, this isn't a bad thing. Okay, it's a it's a meme. I don't know if you've seen the meme, uh, and it's not actually in the movie, but it looks like it in the meme. There's a still from uh, the 
Endgame. Okay. Where everyone's in the room and um <laughs> and Hawkeye's kind of like looking over <laughs> to where Rocket is. Yep. And it says like I'm gone and you guys find a talking raccoon or something like <laughs> it. it. It's just something like about his reaction because it looks like he's looking right at Rocket with a look on his face like <laughs> yeah like this is the my replacement. <laughs> That is hilarious. Um, that is a point in Rocket's favor because uh, around the time of Endgame and all that, he is one of the last Guardians of the Galaxy to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, shows his perseverance. He's The, the character itself starts out kind of cranky and grumpy because he's a raccoon. He's a trash panda. So you know, <laughs> does his own thing, gets, gets by on himself, and doesn't really get along with each other. But he does get progression in the movie, and with the help of Yondu, the guy with the fin, and with the help of Nebula, he comes to realize that he's more than just parts put together, and he's more than just a raccoon, even though he doesn't like being called a raccoon. Mm-hmm. But it, he he's ends up being a, a dedicated team member, very loyal, and if you need something, he can get it. Not only as a pilot, like if you need a prosthetic leg, he can find you a prosthetic <laughs> leg. Need an extra eyeball, he can probably find you an eyeball. Need a bomb in 30 seconds that his tree buddy's going to set off, he can probably yeah. set that up too. I don't know if Groot gets to come along. I'm not sure if it's a partnership deal, <laughs> but I am settling for Rocket to lead the USS Voyager to where no man knows where we're going before or now or later. <laughs> That's such a... Man, this is already fun. <laughs> Rocket on the Voyager. I, I picked a lot of animated ones for my TV show and for my uh, Head of the Class series, mm. so I had, to, I had to spice it up a little bit. So now we're going with Space Creatures and Aliens. Space Creatures and Aliens. CGI Monsters. That's the, the the rocket and Thor bits from Infinity War. Oh, those are so fun, so good, so fun, so funny. Just uh. he can hold his own. He's great at conversation. He's great at banter. Exactly the kind of crew member I want around. <laughs> Excellent pick. All right, my number one pick. I'm trying to save a character here. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Let's do it. And we're gonna have to shuffle and dance a little bit here because there's not much of the character because. She wasn't around very long, oh. which is the problem. Okay. But I for the Norma DSR one, at the helm of it flying, okay. I would like Talison Lintra. I don't know that name. Also known as Tally Lintra. She's an A-Wing starfighter <sighs> pilot from yes, The Last Jedi. I do remember that name. Bombers keep that tight formation. Fighters protect the bombers. It's not every day we get a shot at a dreadnought, so let's make it count. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's fighting words right there. That's like, so she is in The Last Jedi. She's the commander of Poe's, well, Poe's basically the commander of the plan, but she's the commander of the workings of Poe's plan. She's the second in command. She's commanding the, if you remember in The Last Jedi, (laughs) at the beginning, Poe's there winding up Hux as a distraction, and they're bringing in the bombers and the fighters that are protecting them. So cool, yes. And so Poe's going to have his little rocket on the back that he's going to go through and do his part of the plan. But someone needs to execute the military part of the plan, the mission. Yes. And that fell on Tally Lintra. Awesome. Now, the neat thing about Tally Lintra is that she's only 22 years old. So this says she must be an insanely good pilot. Yeah. They had plenty of other pilots. All their pilots hadn't got killed yet at this point. (laughs) Yeah, it's not slim pickings. She's plenty of other pilots, but even Poe says she's one of the most capable pilots of the Resistance. Oh, perfect. And she flies an A-Wing. I love A-Wings. A-Wings are my favorite Star Wars ship. If we ever rank Star Wars ships, <laughs> A-Wing's going to be. A-Wing's gonna, so we're not going to do it now. Okay. And the only reason the A-Wing isn't my ship in this is because you can't fit a crew in an A-Wing. It's a one-person starfighter. That makes sense. 
<laughs> so there is a little backstory of Tally. She's uh, she grew up on uh, they even they know that we know the planet she grew up on. She okay. was a farm girl on Pip Pip Three. <laughs> it's a great planet name, yes. And I don't know if this. So uh, by the way, Tally Linter is played by the actress well known in Britain, Hermione Corfield. Okay. And it's great that there's actually really Hermione's running around in England. <laughs> it's not, not just, just a Harry Potter <laughs> name. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's a well-known actress over there. Uh, and it was really exciting for a lot of people that she was going to be in Star Wars. So I don't know if they picked Pippet 3 because she's British. <laughs> Pippet. That's a, Pippet. Um, but she's a farm girl and she learned to fly crop dusting the crops. Isn't that how Luke learned to fly too? Or is that just... No, you? Luke learned blasting Wap Rats That's in right. Beggar's Canyon yes. in his Skyhopper. Because womp rats don't fight, don't shoot back. <laughs> womp rats don't shoot back. So they're just farm people. Okay, sorry. So she joined the resistance. She, if she's only 22 now, who knows how old she w- was when she did that. There's a little bit of uh, more stuff about her in the novelization. Uh, there's stuff about her doing a pirate action in the Cassander sector. Oh, okay. And a lot of that is in comics. There's the Poe Dameron comic where she appears in because it has stuff from before. Oh, okay. Um, but the long and the short of it is... This is a great character with a lot of potential, and then she gets blown up in the hangar bay by Kylo Ren. Boo! And it's you know it's supposed to be a it's a dramatic moment for Poe. Yes, because he's trying to make it there. If you remember, spoiler for a movie that's been out forever. <laughs> if you remember, he's trying to make it to the hangar bay. Yes, and that's that, right. I don't know if it was a protomus or whatever it was. Ballistic that, that of some sort. Whatever he shot out went right in the hangar bay, and it blew up. And that's like right when Poe gets there. Yeah, and you know BB-8 comes flying in and just. The, 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 he looks and there's the fire and the doors close and stuff. Almost and, instant chaos. And they they specifically show Tally like kind of like whoop like her final moment oh, like yikes. Okay. So there's and it seems like there's so there's so much more to be done with this character. I hopefully they do more stuff in this other canon stuff and this other okay and comic books books. I don't know. I want more out of Tally Lintra, which is why I'm raising her from the dead. Wonderful. They killed her at 22 years old. Yeah, that's it. I'm raising her from the dead and I'm putting her in command, not in command, but the pilot. Yeah, putting her in, 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 in the flight seat of this ship because this character deserves more. You got this young female pilot who's earns the respect of Poe Dameron, who a lot of people act like, you know, he's kind of like this, uh, super macho guy yep but hey she earned his respect and i think it's important there's a lot of subtle stuff in the last jedi and i think it's important there's a reason why they showed her there and then pose reaction afterwards why is that I, well i think it's because he's like oh no this that was like one of my favorite people gotcha she's one of my best pilots this is my lieutenant he, this, to show the way that yeah she's gotcha. only 22 years old yeah and now she's now it's wasted, yeah. wasted potential. So I think that's, if you know what's happening there, I yes. think it impacts you more. Makes it a little bit which, heavier. Which, yeah, it makes it a little bit heavier. Which, if any, if I'm going to give, we don't like to give tons of criticism and stuff, but I th- Ryan Johnson had a lot of stuff going on in there. Mm-hmm. And I think he had a lot of stuff that wasn't apparent going on in that movie. I got you. That, I don't know if it was one of those things where when you work on something so much, you you know what's happening but you have to express it. It's hard for you to express to other people and it's, and it's, what's happening. Yeah, I get you. But it, and it's those little details where they don't have to be in your face. But if you're right. paying attention to it, you're like, right. Oh, there I you go. It. There yeah. you go. And I didn't really get it until I started uh, seeing the uh, the extra stuff about her and yeah. realizing that she was supposed to be only 22 years old. She's like the Doogie Howser of, of space a- right. aircrafts. It's awesome. So, Tally, 
don't rest in peace in my world. Yeah. I'm raising you from the dead. You're I'm doing resurrecting you. You're going to fly the Normandy SR1. That's awesome. From the front. And the Normandy's a sleek looking. It looks like a giant A-wing in my mind, sort of. <laughs> yep. So that'll be awesome. Okay. So, Tally Lintra is my pilot. Pilot number one. An excellent pick for the first one. Here's my last final question for debate. Which of these pilots is going to get our pizza here fastest? Oh, well, we'd probably have to pick a pilot we didn't pick. We'd probably have to... <laughs> we, we'd probably actually have to get, like, Planet Express involved. Oh, there you go. Call Philip J. Fry. Yeah. See if he's got a pizza. Leela would have to fly it over here. Oh, that's true. She is the pilot. Yeah. Philip's just along for the ride and yeah. for the hijinks. <laughs> so our pizza is here, our space pizza. Courtesy of Planet Express. <laughs> Courtesy of... Or Pizza Express. Wait, pizza, wait. Pizza Planet. Pizza Express. Planet Express. Mm. Pizza Planet? Pizza Planet. It's a whole <laughs> different thing. <laughs> so, everybody, let us know who you want to pilot your ship. We already had uh, some fans tell us, speaking of Planet Express, that they would actually like that to be their ship. Oh, there you go. The, the, is there a name of that ship? I think it's the Planet Express. It's the, the ship is just called the Planet Express. I believe so. Oh, okay. I don't think it has a classification, but I will research that further <laughs> so I don't anger anybody too much further. So hit us up on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, at Assuming Pod. Let us know what pilot you want on your ship. Also, let us know what ship you want. You can play along with us. We love to read it and hear that stuff. It's brainstorming. It's building a world. It's fun. If you want to tell us uh, stuff in a longer form, you can Gmail us, assumingpositions at gmail.com. We want to tell you to uh, like and share this, uh, let people know about it. The pod is growing, and we really appreciate all you listeners. Tell your friends, let everybody know. Send those iTunes links and those Spotify links to your friends. Yeah, rate, share. We really appreciate everyone out there. So we want to thank you. Uh, we want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing. We want to thank Not Scott Productions for our equipment. We want to thank Jazzar for our music. And we will now enjoy a wonderful space pizza. Blast off! Isn't that how Luke learned to fly too, or is that just it's no? You? Luke, 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 Luke learned blasting. Luke learned. <laughs> 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 oh, deep breath.